You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by Westwood One Podcast Network. It is Friday, yay, Friday, November 30th, the last day of November. We are on to the last month of the year. Boy, has this year flown by quickly. Um, It is Friday, so it is Foreign Policy Friday, as promised. I know it's been a little while. We've gotten great feedback on these episodes, so I wanted to give you another one. And you know what that means. That means we bring on CR's national security correspondent, Jordan Shackdale. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? Doing great, Daniel. How's it going? Uh, long, frustrating week. I mean, as you know, I've been uh, uh, bottled up in uh, jailbreak and uh, lots of domestic policy issues. So wanted to clean up on some issues that we really haven't touched on Um You know, one of the things we're here for is to talk beyond the here and now, to give people broad principles, put multiple issues together because you can never look at an issue in a vacuum. And and by the way, that's your homework assignment over the weekend is to listen to yesterday's show where we talk about the need to put together multiple issues and you give a broad vision for how all those pieces work. And, And it's kind of like a cute theme I've been working on lately. If you've noticed, you can't half ass things. I know we, we had this uh, discussion internally, you know, today on certain drug policies. We're talking about, you know, just you can't half-ass libertarianism. I have an article out today. You can't half-ass um, tax cuts and spending. The two go together in many ways. And then when it comes to foreign policy, this is really true, that it's governed by prudence and perspicacity of what is going on, all geared towards we start with America's homeland first. That needs to be protected. How do you affect our homeland? Okay, then let's go out. Then after that, there's certain important um, strategic things to protect, like waterways for shipping. You can't have that shut down by the enemy, right? That's commerce. That's got to be protected. To a certain extent, certain allies that are really allies and doing worthwhile stuff for us that protect those strategic interests. And beyond that, you know, we really shouldn't care that much other than keeping a watchful eye. And we've always given a vision that if you focus on what's right and you have the do's right, then the don'ts are right. And you're not going to be stuck with false choices. Um, the problem is that we don't have any vision for what a conservative foreign policy, national security policy looks like. We really don't. And this came up in the Senate this week with the vote. Um, on cutting off any support for the Saudis in the war in Yemen. And, you know, you know, I'm never gun shy about what I believe. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty black and white. Okay, here's what we should do. Here's what we shouldn't do. I want to ask you the question in terms of if you were a sitting senator. This, I'm really struggling with this. I'm not struggling with what I believe because I think you and I are clear on what we would and wouldn't be doing over the last number of years in Yemen, what we'd be doing broadly in all these countries and wouldn't be doing what we'd be doing instead with Latin America, counter-terror finance, immigration policy, 
using soft power and the right alliances against Iran um, and not getting involved in civil war dumpster fires. But the problem is they take one element and you have a lot of people doing the right thing in some ways, finally getting Congress involved in oversight of a war, but for the most evil reasons around. So this vote was 63-37. It passed. 14, was it 14 Republicans joining with almost every Democrat? Could you kind of walk us through what happened and where you think conservatives should come down here? So I think that we can add this to the show notes, but our colleague Nate Madden's piece uh, that he published yesterday at Conservative Review about why the Senate decided to take the vote on Yemen and what impact it will have. Um, the, The Yemen civil war is most certainly a dumpster fire. It's a humanitarian catastrophe. They are bad guys on all sides. And the United States has taken a very limited role. We have American mercenaries on the ground there, but they are not endorsed by the U.S. military. The only thing that the U.S. military is doing is refueling Saudi jets and I believe offering uh, targeting locations for their airstrikes and so forth. The Saudis have made plenty of mistakes. Who knows whether that's, of course, deliberate or not. Um, And many civilians have died on both sides. The Saudis are trying to take out uh, Shiite Islamist insurgents in the Houthis. And you also have al-Qaeda and ISIS trying to take territory in the vacuum that has been created in all the chaos. So it's resulted in in an incredible famine, mass starvation, uh, women and children being killed and executed. You have child soldiers being drafted by the Houthis. So there's a very rational position that maybe the U.S. shouldn't have a role here. It's a mess. There are some people who think that the U.S., by getting involved with Saudi Arabia, can perhaps mitigate civilian casualties because of our advanced technologies. But this is a war that the U.S. has had a pretty limited presence in. We've hit them with some air. We've hit some Al Qaeda, some ISIS with airstrikes. We're supporting some Saudi operations. Um, if you recall, we had a pretty uh, bad operation that went wrong and resulted last year in the death of an American serviceman um, who was trying to find, I believe, an Al-Qaeda operative. So we're all over the place. But anyway, the Senate voted to stop funding Saudi Arabia's um, refueling and targeting mission in Yemen. And the reason why this was not as, you know, Uh, important as we'd want it to be in terms of discussing the Senate's war powers and such, is that they basically took this vote due to the death of Jamal Khashoggi. (laughs) And now the fact that, you know, the legacy media is rallying against the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, and therefore the Senate is taking this virtue signaling vote, in my opinion, that it really has nothing to do with, with the president's involvement in the war in Yemen, which started under the Obama administration, 
that it yeah. all is basically uh, it's a hundred percent virtuous signaling. The Senate has never, there's no track record in the 21st century of the Senate trying to take back its war powers <laughs> and um, ability to declare war. So this is all just posturing by senators. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately um, to add to that, there's some senators um, who feel that there are some countries that they just despise, like someone like Rand Paul, Bernie Sanders. They hate Saudi Arabia. No matter what Saudi Arabia does, they hate Saudi Arabia. They have to oppose this. So that's their reason. You have senators like Bob Corker who say, um, who wants to side with Saudi Arabia's enemies, such as Qatar and Turkey. And that's why he's voting to stop it. So no, no one seems particularly interested other than perhaps Senator Mike Lee might be the one guy who's voting because he wants to um, yes. shift the balance of power um, to, 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 to the to Congress. But so so yeah. that's, I think, a really good exposition of just broadly what went down. And I think what you're saying is proven by the fact that what is it last time when it was earlier this year when Rand and, and Lee brought it up? And, and they've been pretty consistent on this. Now, I know Rand has kind of also added the Khashoggi crap, which is disturbing. But what's there were maybe six Republicans voted for it, and now it in, increased to 14. And when we knew there was something awry is when we saw Lindsey Graham. Now, Lindsey loved the Yemeni war. I mean, he loves every involvement. And, and, and he certainly voted against get, you know cutting off aid to the Saudis on this last time, and now he this is the first time in his life he wants to divest from a war, and it's like this is why I, I like ask you I don't know I honestly don't know what I would do if I were forced there I probably would have voted for it I, I mean we supported it at Conservative Review earlier this year because here's here's here was our view our view was as part of a broader picture um, that. Iran and Hezbollah are the problems. The other Sunni dumpster fires don't affect us. Yemen, Somalia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Niger, Chad, Mary Tawana, all that stuff, Sudan. There's nothing for us there except getting our guys killed for nothing. and Or, or even where they're fighting the Shiites. But again, here, so it's, but Daniel, but aren't you? So some of our friends who are also Iran hawks, we, we kind of disagree, I mean, a little bit with them in the sense they're like, well, there's the Houthis and they're backed by Iran, so we got to fight them. Yeah, but then Al-Qaeda benefits from it. So it's like there's – you know, and, and really the Houthis don't affect us outside of anything um, with the exception – and I want to make this very clear – the Bab al-Mandab Strait because, it, it, you know, the um, – what do you call it? The Red Sea gets very narrow there where Yemen meets Djibouti. At the end there, that's a very important shipping route. So my understanding is the Houthis, more so than Al-Qaeda, were the ones threatening control of that. So that does explain a little bit our involvement, you know, because typically our philosophy is why tip the balance to anyone. But it was the Houthis, and especially backed by the statecraft of Iran, because Iran is doing this with the Straits of Hormuz. They have a general agenda to screw us. So that that doesn't even have anything to do with the Yemeni civil war. So I think our position is we don't care. We're not going to stop the Saudis from beating the hell out of Iranian proxies or the Muslim Brotherhood or anywhere else. Um, but why, we, we shouldn't necessarily become friends and whatever. 
Um, and I'm, we're not going to be schleppers for them and get involved in a civil war. Um, anyway, we have all these wars that we're doing without congressional authorization. Let's have a discussion over our vision in the world. The problem, as you mentioned, is it's our, our involvement is relatively limited. In fact, I think we're more involved in Somalia. But certainly. Oh, certainly. Yeah. 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 But certainly Syria, Iraq and freaking Afghanistan, where we spoke about earlier this week, we lost three Green Berets. We lost the 75th Ranger Regiment guy. And that is that is horrendous. We're spending tens of billions of dollars. That is the problem. So it's like, really, Mike? And I know Mike agrees with us. I mean, I know he agrees on that type of stuff. Um, but it's like, of all things, you pick Yemen just because you want. And, and, yeah, and, and that's the most unfortunate thing because your political. You only have so much political capital to expend, right? And and. You can only draw media attention to so much. And just as you said, there are four American soldiers that died in Afghanistan last week. One was shot by another Afghan army guy. And, of course, the Afghan um, hawks who want to stay in Afghanistan are claiming that, you know, this guy was fighting al-Qaeda and look at what happened. And now we need to stay because he was fighting al-Qaeda. But, of course, some some jerk in the Afghan army ended up apparently mistakenly killing this guy. So, you know, what does that say again about our alliance with the Afghans? And, you know, it's really unfortunate because there are so many places where thousands of American soldiers are stationed on the ground, their boots on the ground in Syria. The Pentagon won't even tell us how many thousands of soldiers we have there. Um, and, And the same goes with Afghanistan same goes with Somalia, Niger, um, all these countries in Africa with Islamic insurgencies, and they choose Yemen, where we don't have any troops on the ground, where I think we can reasonably debate whether or not we should be there. They choose Yemen as the hill to die on. And, you know, you're right that Lindsey Graham, who, you know, supported the Gaddafi overthrow everywhere that, you know, we wanted Anywhere that John McCain wanted to send troops, Lindsey Graham wanted to send troops too. So it just goes to show that you know this is not this is not a serious constitutional endeavor that Congress is taking here. Exactly, and, and then and then obviously the Democrats. You know when Rand would bring this type of stuff up under Obama, all the Democrats would vote against it. Now all of them vote for. It. So that 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 is just transparently fraudulent. And I think Lee and Rand, to their credit, have mainly been consistent in their lifetimes, albeit I think our beef with Rand is that he's starting to add like, and you're seeing a lot of pro-Rand type of, um, you know, they call themselves realist foreign policy websites. And we actually agree with them on a lot of different things. There's different permutations. It's very complicated. Um, but we don't agree with them on everything. And uh, you know, they're downright becoming like obsessively anti-Saudi. And to me, the more isolationist view was was more like, hey, just stay out of it type of thing. But yeah, in other words, if you don't like the Saudis, fine. But then by a factor of a, of, of a million, you shouldn't like Saudi's enemies, which actually do threaten us. Whereas Saudi Arabia, like, gee, I wish we could have been anti-Saudi for the last 30 years when it actually mattered. Now that they finally have a government that you know, say what you want. They're actually making changes. They're actually trying to work with us. Uh, they really don't pose a threat. They're very much like al-Sisi in Egypt at this point. I'm not asking that you ally with them. I'm just saying if you have someone that is terrible and is a huge threat to you, and then kind of a guy gets off a motorcycle in the street, not a threat to you, maybe even a friendly at a certain extent, but kind of a thug, 
gets off and beats up the bad guy. I'm not asking that you help him, but don't knock into him and undermine him, you know, beating your enemy. And that, and, and especially here, whereas, you know, in, in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, I just don't give a darn. But in Yemen, I, I generally oppose getting involved. But if you and I don't think we need to pick a side, but I think it is true between the Houthis and Al Qaeda. And I don't want to be backing Al Qaeda. I'm just saying it is the Houthis that are threatening the Al Mandab Strait. And that is a that in the Straits of Hormuz, you got to keep that open. So I'm just saying they have the balance wrong. This bill is not, oh, let's just not get involved. Let's, you know, have a better strategic vision. It's let's tip the balance of power again to the Houthis. Yeah, and they don't really realize that they're doing that. And I think it comes, there's a lot of bad information floating out there. And and you kind of, if you look at these senators' social media pages, you can really see the, the Saudi obsession, particularly with Rand Paul. Um, I looked the other day and saw he has never mentioned the Houthis. He doesn't talk about Iran. He doesn't talk about the Assad regime. So for whatever reason, he gives this axis of, you know, Iran-backed powers a free pass, but then he talks about how the Saudis are the most evil people ever, and all of these hijackers from 9/11 were from Saudi Arabia. From a different kind of like government. distributing the old talk, yeah, and kind of distributing the old talking points, failing to recognize that the Saudi uh, monarchs in charge today are very much opposed to Islamist revolutionaries. Um, I, I re- reported on it this week that. The um, the groups that are backing Khashoggi now include Al Qaeda and ISIS because they also view Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who effectively leads Saudi Arabia, as their enemy. And if if you know if Saudi Arabia is such a bad Islamist country, and of course there's many bad preachers and yeah. Islamist leaders within we're letting the Saudi in. monarchy. I mean, right. all, by the way, but, like, just so you so you know, all of these um, anti. MBS hawks, they're anti the government, which is now more of a force for good, but none of them are joining with me to question the 65,000 visas we bring in from student visa year because that hasn't changed. I mean, the people of Saudi Arabia, I mean, maybe some of them are reforming, but a lot of them are still radical, whereas the government is what has changed. So if anything, you need to be tough on immigration. But, you know, the time to have been tough on Saudi Arabia was before MBS. Now they're picking – meaning even if you want to view MBS with a more cynical view, a more of a half glass empty, but it's still half, whereas before it was pure evil in Saudi Arabia. So really, dude, now's the time to get tough on them? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me that uh, – I think people are naive and they also are following – um, an agenda that's being distributed through foreign entities, especially, oh, yeah. um, you know, some senators uh, who support Gutter, some who support Turkey. They are very much opposed to the government in Saudi Arabia, distributing all kinds of propaganda, especially when you with this Khashoggi case. It's been a, you know, a propaganda mess that's infiltrated the Senate and uh, the House. And so many people are spreading misinformation that you know you can't even say on top of all of it because it's just all hitting the fan and i think it resulted in this ridiculous yemen vote i i, I find it i mean it, it's really amazing the way you put it that 
for since World War II, I mean, all sides have pretty much violated the Constitution. You, you know, there there are gray areas, but then there's clear areas where we've had protracted ground wars, you know, without congressional authorization, and including Yemen for for how long has it been? Five years? Four years? I mean, it started under Obama. Um, we were knee deep. Remember the Brian Owen when Brian Owen was killed? That was literally the first week of the Trump administration. So that 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 mission was set forth. Um, you know, uh, under Obama, and and again, to to his credit, Lee and Paul did care about it. Then, you know, I think more so than obviously Lindsey Graham is the ultimate hypocrite. But again, some of them are adding to this. And what concerns me is that a realist, far, an America first foreign policy that we're trying to lay out here kind of speaks over everyone. It's that it starts with immigration, both the front door visa and then the border, because we have not just the Latin American migration problem, but also the um, vulnerabilities. It's Hezbollah in Latin America, and it's Hezbollah on our shores, meaning the only way you, you hurt us is if you have an ability to get to us, either with immigration, having then your immigrants turned as agents for your cause, or you have an army or a navy that could come here where no one really yet threatens us, although you know China and Russia are always a looming threat. But you have to have statecraft. So Iran has both. They have Hezbollah, and then they have the power of statecraft to make what they're doing work. The Sunnis, the Sunni governments, are most of them are actually coming around. The Sunni population still has a bunch of hyenas. And what's happening in terms of the way I see it is that human capital, they have an unlimited number. right? They have an endless number of recruits. And any Muslim country, you're going to have any number of people of military age that any terrorist organization, Sunni group could always, we can't kill our way out of that, nor do we need to. We don't need to get involved in that. We need to think, where could they get us? And they have to have statecraft. Well, they don't have statecraft. So they need to rely on terror finance. And that's what you know. yesterday's show was with the cocaine trade, organized crime, and it's being done on our shores. Um, this is another assignment for you, Jordan. Ali Karani, this is going to be a major Hezbollah trial in March in the Southern District of New York. Um, we, uh, Todd Benzman, my buddy over at CIS, uh, wrote a, a three-part series on this trial with all the documents there where Iran and the, and the Quds Force, so um, what's his name, Soleimani, said a couple months ago to Trump, we're closer to you than you think. And what he means, it, it, that's very different from you know, Afghanistan. These are mud hut munchkins that don't affect us. Yemen, I would regard, barring the issue with the straits there, you got to preserve the straits. Outside of that, the Houthis don't affect us. Al-Qaeda also, you know, it's an immigration problem um, and whatever. With Iran, you have all the elements. You have statecraft, and then you have, in our country, this revealed that there are hundreds of people, they could be miles from us, not, not in Yemen, not in Afghanistan, in the United States of America, cloak and de- people trained in cloak and dagger tactics to be turned on at the whims of Nasrallah and Soleimani at any point to attack us in our country, surveilling Jewish businesses, surveilling targets. So that's where our efforts need to go. But to be anti-Saudi as an end to itself and help the Iranians, I mean – that's where I find 
In other words, I don't see Randon and Lee talking about our proactive steps, even if they agree with them as passionately as they're becoming anti-Saudi. Yeah, and and on the Sunni side of that, of course, we have the immigration problem, and we have particularly Sunni radicals coming from Somalia. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday, how a Somali man named Mohammed Mohammed had driven, tried to run over Jews leaving synagogue in Los Angeles a couple of days ago, and the media seemingly had no interest in covering it, and that these um, immigrants from Sunni radicalized lands, such as Syria, Somalia, um, and several other places, these people have a high percentage tendency when, you know, compared to the rest of the immigrant population to engage in radicalism. The, the Somali population is entirely out of control. There are already um, probably dozens of cases of Somali refugees, so-called refugees to the United States, who have joined ISIS, joined Al-Qaeda. And even though there are others who have not tried to engage directly with terrorist groups, they, of course, hold views that are particularly anti-American. They want to enforce blasphemy laws. They want Sharia. They are... um, I don't want to... Take a look at the Hamas caucus. We now have two Muslim women, right. one in D- Detroit area, one in Minneapolis, the Somali, that are immigrants to this country. Um, and they're now literally Congress women, whatever. And they, they're they that prominent and they're that open about their views. You could imagine what we have. So what, you, what we're describing, it's not a military issue. It's not a military intervention or a foreign policy issue. It's a don't you know we need to cool off on new ones, and then with the ones already here, it's a U.S. attorney's issue. It's DOJ. It's Treasury. It's you know my buddy Derek Maltz, former DA special ops guy, will tell you that the um, drugs are the honeypot of a lot of this. Also the EBT fraud. That it's it, it's it's um it's a homeland security. It's FBI. That's the front line on this. We 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 became like Europe, and we have to make sure it's not worse. Where um, we focus on what's already here, but with one asterisk that you know Iran, even without immigration, I think the Sunnis is all immigration. Iran, um, Hezbollah is is a, I mean they, they're they're more powerful than any a lot of these countries. Their operation is amazing, right. and that's where we need to focus on. Again, to be clear. Um, I think you and I would disagree a little bit with our friend Tom Cotton that he's a little bit so focused on Iran that sometimes he'll be willing to get involved in a civil war to fight Iran's proxy. I don't think we need to shadow box them in every proxy war in Syria or Yemen as an end to itself um, but because the way to go after them is go after them with soft power. The sanctions are crushing them if we'd only enforce them. Right. And as you mentioned before, Iran is the only Islamic adversary, of, Islamic supremacist adversary of ours that has the capacity to have a worldwide network of support through the drug trade, through, through the Mexican cartels, through international criminal networks. 
through jihadi groups. So that's why it's so baffling to me when a guy like Rand Paul says, okay, Yemen is the issue that we need to, you know, we need to expand all our energy on Yemen. And, and it, it's just very strange that, you know, hey, there's this other country here that's threatening us that wants to build the nuclear bomb that has agents inside the United States has proven through recent um, arrests and an ongoing trial. And a lot of these people don't want to talk about that, but they're happy to you know, to talk about the politically uh, hot issue, which is the war in Yemen because yeah. Khashoggi was killed. All because you of know, Khashoggi. It's so backwards and ridiculous. Yeah, not, not because we shouldn't be refereeing Islamic civil wars, which is our view here. It's we have to now side against the Saudis. And it's like, even if you don't want to side with them, you, you can't deny that MBS is a million times better than Iran. And you certainly don't want to tip the balance the other way. Um, and again, just just do what our thing um, but but that's a lot of these libertarians. I mean, they're open borders. So, I mean, they're part of the problem because, um, you know, again, my buddy Derek Maltz and, and, and uh, Wolf Blitzer had him on. True story. In 2014, so, you know, they didn't know who Derek Maltz was. He was officially in the Obama administration. So they didn't know that he was a you know a conservative. Wolf Blitzer did a whole show with him and they were willing to openly talk about that there are, quote, hundreds of Shiite owned used car lots in America hundreds that um, are involved in the circuitous money laundering operation to fund Hezbollah through the cocaine trade, used car lots, and the banking system. And ironically, that's funding Yemen. I mean, you want to cut off the funding to that. Uh, that's that's the way to do it. it. We need to prosecute and investigate and have the FBI go through every one of these. I can't solve the foothills of Afghanistan. I can't solve the sand dunes of Yemen. But I could solve our own country. And that's the thing. But again, one more asterisk. I think a guy like Tucker Carlson, an ally of ours, would agree on all of this. But he would just say, so therefore, it's all immigration. It's all you know, homeland. And, you know, what, what do I care about Iran? But I think the issue with that is, like you said, no other country is at a state level Islamic supremacist and this maniacal and is trying to get a nuclear bomb. Because if you have the two together, we're screwed. Because even more so than North Korea, where I always joke around, they don't believe in an afterlife. They want the Chivas Regal and the, the women in this world. So, you know, they don't want to end it. These guys want to bring about the apocalypse. So, I mean, you do. You have to have your nuclear offensive and defensive deterrent. And you don't have to go to war with them. You just crush them, which leads me to my next thing. I want to talk about the Iran, um, Iran deal. So, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday in Brussels... Uh, what's that guy's name? The Iranian, um, not Soleimani, but the head of their uh, nuclear program, Ali Akbar Sal- Salehi. I could never pronounce these names, whatever. Um, he's the head of Iran's nuclear agency. It might have been other people too, but he, I think, was the lead of the delegation, met with... Do-do-do-do. It was um, Germany, France, and and the Belgian leadership. I'm sure Mogherini, whatever her name is, the foreign minister of the EU, was there in Brussels. I'm not sure if the British were involved, and they talked about how to bust American sanctions. Um, this this is really where the rubber meets the road. W- w- what are we saying again that affects us? I want I want everyone to see what affects us. Iran yeah, has so, yeah yeah go go go, go ahead. You, well, I, I think that when we talk about sanctions, a lot of people bring up. 
well, this might make the Iranian people suffer, and we don't want the Iranian people to suffer. And while that's true, we have to recognize that the Iranian people are going to continue to suffer under the Iranian regime. And we need to, besides the Iranian people, whether or not you know, they're living their best life, that is not that is a very secondary priority to protecting the nation. So if we want I, I, that's why I fully support as you know as harsh as sanctions can be. And it, it's unfortunate that we have we still have officials in government who are giving these loopholes to countries like China, Turkey, because they feel the need to still engage in trade. And because we have the world's strongest economy, we have so much leverage over these countries and so oh, much yeah. leverage over the Europeans too. And the Europeans should be, should be shamed for doing something like this to try to bust the sanctions because their energy giants want to make billions of dollars from deals with the Iranian regime. This is a, we've spoken plenty about how, evil and malicious and, you know, committed to an Islamic revolution that the Iranian regime is. And that's why it's so important to, um, the, the Trump administration has essentially endorsed um, the aspirations of the Iranian people, which means uh, endorsing not regime change through military force, but we need to push as hard as we can with the sanctions so they so these networks that reach into the United States can't operate as well because when their funds dry up, you know, they can't book hundreds of plane tickets for their narco traffickers in Hezbollah and they, and they can't, can't get weapons you know, they're, they're, and they have to decide whether they want to fund these wars in Yemen, fund these wars um, in Lebanon and Syria, fund Hamas. The, when the when the Iranian regime starts running out of money, um, that's when they have to deal with all these problems, whether it's domestically or with their foreign engagements. So when it comes to sanctions policy, I think, you know, I agree that maximum pressure is, is the yeah. best um, policy and we need to hold the Europeans to account too. And, and I think Trump, you know, until now, I mean, they've gone a little weak on some of these loopholes. I'm trying to get the latest on any, you, know, you, you let us know if there's, you have any updates on that, but um, he has proven that th this false choice, you either capitulate or go to like a physical war with them. No, they're so, we're crushing them. They're so desperate every week they're headed over there. Um, so so here's what the, they're doing. And, and this is what gets important. M most of our audience is Christian Zionists, Jewish Zionists. Um, they care about Israel um, biblically, you know, as an end to itself, aside from America. Um they understand the threat of Iran, but there's a group of people I want to talk to that are, you know, at heart with us, America first, with us on immigration, which, uh, but they're like, dude, I don't care about Iran. I don't know, you know, why, why do you get me? That, that's kind of where Tucker is. And I think what yeah. they need to understand is this. I want to tie all this together. What's happening to Europe is something we don't want to happen to us. Europe, there's a reason they're doing this. So, a lot of them, they're just a bunch of SOBs, but there's a reason. They're motivated by fear. Iran has them around the neck or a different body part. Um, they, uh, what they're doing is they're using the cloak and dagger. They're literally fomenting IRGC attacks while then saying, hey, uh, about those sanctions, we, we better talk here. So 
you had in October um, this attack against the organization Awaz Arabs. This was um, it's the Iranian Arab minority diaspora that's in Copenhagen, and there was an entire like Iranian terror squad that was busted up uh, trying to attack them. There was a big planned attack in Paris over the um, the the summer, you know, this is not just kind of the run of the mill homegrown uh, Islamic terror, which you have a lot of in Europe. This is just stuff directly directed by Iran that they have an unlimited number of operatives there now that they could turn on the switch at any time. And that's really what's crippling Europe. Some of it's also the oil. Um, and, and that's, and that's what uh, I'm, I'm just going to quote to you. This was, I think the UK independent, what do they call that? It's the, um, this is in the British press here. So Salehi, the head of um, Iran's nuclear agency, said he warned the Europeans that the consequences will be, quote, ominous. The situation is very unpredictable. When you, when you couple yeah, that with Sa- Soleimani's comments to America that we're closer to you than we think, that's, that's the issue. They're at war with us, and they ha- and unlike a bunch of mud hut munchkins in Afghanistan or, or or Somalia chanting death to America, where they can't effectuate that, here they have the operatives and all the tools to enact it. Yeah, there, there's a reason why. I, I think that you know there, there's a huge anti-Semitism problem in in the Europe in the European Union countries, and uh, one of the big reasons why is because they are afraid that if they take, well, well, they're anti-Israel too, they're afraid if they take a pro-Israel position that this will result in domestic terrorism. And that's more so, you know, on the Sunni front. And on the Shiite front, they're afraid of taking an anti-Iran position because they don't want to clash with the Iranian regime. So this capitulation is because they have open borders, as we discussed earlier, and that, you know, they have these business, corrupt business interests. So um, Europe is a model for what we should not do. And that's the best uh, way to describe it is that they are subject to blackmail because they know, as you said, that the Iranian regime can operate in their countries with ease and conduct targeted assassinations. And now they are forced to deal with that reality. So for the United States to prevent that situation from happening, of course, the the big issue is confronting Iran on every side and, of course, the immigration front, too. Yeah, and obviously those people would agree with us on immigration. They're like, well, once we shut off, why do we care? But again, you know, you know, as we always said, immigration is the single most important thing. That's the single easiest way they reach you. But again, nuclear weapons will get you no matter what if you don't have the right um, alliances, statecraft, um, you know, soft power projection, which is working very well with sanctions, as well as a nuclear defensive and offensive capability st- standing deterrent, which, of course, is depleted when we misuse it and just deplete our military on stupidity. Um, and spend so much money on the deployments, which is really what's costing a lot, not the standing military. I mean, it certainly costs a lot, but you get what I mean. Um, but that that's what they don't understand is that I, I get it, but we're coming into 30 years, 30 years of mass migration to America from the Middle East. Lots of Iranians, tremendous amount of Iraqis. 
um, by my count, about 150,000 just on green cards, not to count other visas since 9-11. The Iraqis, again, lots of them, lots of problems with that because a lot of them you know, were Sunnis or Shias fighting with each other, but they were both anti-American. Um, Lebanese, we've had a tremendous amount as well. I mean, so there are... There is a growing, you know, we still, the majority of Muslims in America are, are Sunni, but um, there's a growing share of Shias, and they are, you know, being literally being trained as operatives. And, you know, again, I think Tucker would agree with me on everything we need to do on the domestic investigative front, but still, you need to crush Iran in, in, in the in the short term. Because we did already let in the problem, and you got to, you know, cut off the pipeline of money. Um, I, I think. See what what disturbs me is I think some of our friends that are a little bit too, for lack of a better term, neocony, you know, I think have misrepresented what the true hawkish Iran position is or should be or ought to be, and they've turned a lot of people off. Like, yeah, I don't want to get involved in another dumpster fire. Like, come on, like, you know what I mean? We we've had enough of this, and I and I understand where they're coming from. But I think if Rand would look at our views in totality, what we're trying to do, it all fits together. It would be much cheaper. It would be the right tools addressing the right threats um, and not getting involved in the other things. You know, it would keep us safe. Yeah, there's a great uh, documentary that was just published, I think, by your uh, buddy Maltz, right? The, well, well, he, uh, the he, Hezbollah he documentary. It, yeah. Okay, so he's talking it. it, was, it, it but, uh, we'll the, definitely link to it. It was the Abba Eben Institute. Okay, well, I think they they just put it out yesterday, and it's all about how Hezbollah is floods into Europe um, and operates a giant criminal network there. So I think for your audience, it'd be a great place to start, and, and it has um, interviews with the I think one of the Israeli ambassadors to one of the European nations, and also. Uh, Matthew Levitt, who's one of the big-time uh, Hezbollah experts. So there's a lot of insight to be gained um, on Hezbollah's operations in Europe there and how they intend to continue to infiltrate the United States. So I'm sure we can post that as well. Yeah, and let me make a note of that. Yeah, I mean, the Hezbollah documentary, if you haven't seen it, and, you know, they they quote German officials as well. And, and one of the interesting things, and, you know, I've never seen a brave German official, but this guy looked pretty good. And and the point he was making is kind of ties into our discussion today that they'll they'll designate Hezbollah's military wing as terrorists, but they won't designate the political wing. And this is this is the Muslim Brotherhood mentality. And and keep in mind, you know this well, even though the Muslim bros are um are uh Sunni. That is where the nexus of Sunni and Shias meet. Other areas, they're at war, but you know Hamas is essentially the Palestinian Muslim Brotherhood. They're allies with Hezbollah and both funding at, funded out of Iran. That's the Turkey-Qatar alliance, unlike Al-Qaeda, which is kind of you know, more its own thing. Um, and sometimes at war, sometimes funny relationship with Iran gets very complicated there, um, depending on the issue, the theater. But you know, with, with um, the Hezbos, this is the problem we have in Europe, but but even in America, you know, Sessions when he was in charge of DOJ got a lot better. Um, I think we could be stronger at Treasury. That they know we have it for. See, you don't need to spend going to the foothills of Iran and spend a trillion dollars and lose ten thousand soldiers. It's these charities 
It's following, they talk about that. You follow up on the Holy Land Foundation trial, which we should have done. On that, there might be a statute of limitations on, I don't know, but there's so many others. We got to do this. We know where they are. They're in our country. If we have if we have intel on every nook and cranny in Afghanistan, I mean, we got to have our own country down. And that's where the front line is. It's here. Foreign policy begins on our own shores where it's literally all these organizations that we know it's just p- political correctness. We don't want to go after them, whether it's the drugs. Again, most of it is still the Latin American stuff, but there's a big contingent of the drug trade that's Middle Eastern. And um, and, even, and this is why yeah. I, I think this is why it's so important that we demand more from our congressional representatives. We have to tell them everyone should be telling their congressmen and senator that and senators that Yes, okay, great. You're voting on the war in Yemen, but what are you doing about these Islamist front groups in the United States? What are you doing about these uh, you know, Shiite supremacist and Sunni supremacist foreign funded uh mosques funded by Qatar? You know, force them to tackle the issues that aren't so politically uh, advantageous to them, but that more so are, are more important Boom. to um, understanding our national security interests. Bada, and, and bada, I would bang. like to see. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's I'm just like singing here. That's awesome. <laughs> and and I wish that you know I, there are some really solid congressional leaders. Um, Ron DeSantis, he's going to be governor of Florida. He was you know fighting tooth and nail on a lot of these issues. And there are there are people out there, but unfortunately, they are very much in the minority in Congress. But they we need to empower these voices, whether it's um, the newly um, elected uh, Congressman Chip Roy. I know he's interested in this stuff, too. And uh, Senator Ted Cruz has led the way on a lot of this stuff. And there are people out there that we can unite behind and really help them shine a light and rally support. Because Mitch McConnell, we know that the Republican leadership, they're not going to take any bill seriously unless they think that uh, the majority of senators and congressmen care about this issue or that the American people are putting up the stink. So, you know, that's the if you, if you really want to tackle our national security interests, it, it starts with you know demanding more from the, uh, you know, the jokesters on the Hill. <laughs> So you you bring up an interesting point like Ron Ron was a brilliant guy and he was a guy I could always schmooze with you know offline and he got this just different vision he he wasn't a neocon he understood the, the all the dumpster fire civil wars he understood we just need the, it's the immigration issue but he understood the threat of Iran and how that ties in this was something we could always talk about whereas like Cotton you know and I know I've been you know an ally with him against Lee on the on the jailbreak stuff, but unlike this, you know, and he, he gets Iran very well, but then he's a little bit too much the other way, where he's like, well, then we have to get involved to counter Iran in every one of these theaters and and get involved in all this stuff, and he's very much still bought into that type of mentality. And really, everyone I think is kind of missing the boat, or sometimes each one has one piece of the puzzle right, but not the full amalgamation of the policies and how they how they reinforce each other because um you know you 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 just can't you said something very interesting how they just grab up what's politically advantageous let's go back to this half-assing thing that really bothers me 
So I, I spoke about this yesterday when I talked about the jailbreak. And everyone's up in arms about how criminal justice reform, over-incarceration or over-prosecution. And I said, you know what's funny? I don't see anyone talking about really going after the over-prosecution of self-defense. You know, like people uh, uh, arrested for self-defense and they're railroaded and, you know, different types of crime. Or, or we talked about um, uh, the Navy SEAL, Eddie Gallagher, but, but just in general, a lot of these cases with the military code of conduct where, where they're being prosecuted for doing too good of a job fighting the enemy. Like, why is nobody suddenly like, you know, these guys are facing life without parole. What, you know, where are all these voices? You know, where, where are all they? Or, or all these libertarians that are so like, you know, they're so libertarian on drugs, on like illicit drugs. But then when government is totally going after pain patients for legitimate prescriptions, then they're like, they're kind of quiet. Like maybe they'll disagree with it, but they're never going to forcefully do what I'm doing. And there's a common thread to all of this virtue signaling. It's whatever the media says and the political elites say is kosher to do, that's where you're, where you're plant your, your flag. Now, I don't want to smear them because sometimes they're doing it maybe for the right reasons, but they'll only be visceral about it where they know the left agrees with them. So Mike Lee is standing on Yemen, well, because they're the cool kids because of Khashoggi. I, I know I want to be very fair. He was doing this long before that. He was very consistent. And I agreed with him on that. But it's like, you know what I mean? You, you, you get always the progressive half of the policy, but you don't get the conservative half of it. Yeah. And I, I think you, you perfectly labeled this as the era of click servitism. I think that you coined that one, right? And, and the congressmen and senators in this day and age are motivated by personal power and social media virtue signaling. And I think that you can attribute that label to, unfortunately, the majority of them. And the only benefit of that is that if they think that there's a big issue that they need to get behind, they are going to say something about it. So that's why we need to mobilize uh, our foreign policy coalition and really you know, get some of our priorities moving, because if we don't, you know, it's going to be the same old Yemen, Khashoggi, um, and then they're going to move on to stuff that they weren't elected on, which is criminal justice reform, massive uh, subsidies, farm bills. And yep. when when you have an undirected Congress, we, we, we shouldn't, and this is more of a media criticism, but we yeah. shouldn't let them control these narratives. And they're entirely useless to us if if they're going to talk about Bingo. this stuff that we didn't elect. Like, what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats if we're just going to debate um, what you uh, label as jailbreak? For the, that, that, yeah. That's not a statesman. In, in other words, like if you are always like that and you really feel that's a pressing issue, fine. But what, what, what you're what you're describing here is not even a conservative or liberal thing. Forget about what you believe on Yemen, what you believe. You know, let, let's say this wasn't Khashoggi. Let's say this wasn't a guy that was really a dirtbag and we shouldn't even care about um, a pro Al Qaeda friend of Bin Laden and yada yada. Uh, let's say it was just in general. You you can't. You have to have a vision on foreign policy. For example, let's say. You know, the Japanese, even though they're first world, they still do things different than America. So let's say, you know, they beat the hell out of a North Korean to death. And let's say he wasn't even such a bad guy. 
all right, we wouldn't do it. Maybe we think they shouldn't have done it. We we wish they wouldn't have done it. But are we going to then side with North Korea over Japan? Because, you know, like, it's just stupid. Um, and that's that's what disturbs me, that it, this has been the hallmark of my show and really what we've all been trying to do at Conservative Review since we started. Not just our view of the given issue, but the panoply and array of issues that we do focus on and discuss. It's, it's, it's disconcerting when... Congress will only act on what the media tells them is okay to act on, but they won't discuss some of this stuff that we'll talk on the show. That's not even necessarily right or left. It's you know like with the terror financing and you know what Derek Maltz come on, comes on and talks about. Literally over a thousand people have been killed the last couple of years from K two spice synthetic marijuana laced with rat poison sold in these Yemeni immigrant owned bodegas. You have uh, the U.S. attorney from from New York a couple years ago talking about how there were hundreds in the New York area involved. That's a very big problem. And why is that not an issue? Because no one knows about it. Um, you know, to talk for a minute about what Turkey Tur- what Turkey does with journalists. You know, why we don't hear about that. Oh, well, Turkey has, well, especially with the Khashoggi case, well, first of all, it, I'm sure you know you have a very educated audience, and they know that Turkey is the world's foremost jailer of journalists. And Turkey's media uh, operations under the current Erdogan regime is essentially 100% state-run. If it's not state-run, uh, the media entity is backed by someone who is close with the Turkish president who takes direction from them uh, so Turkey is entirely controlled. Their press is entirely controlled by the government, and they jail independent journalists in mass. And what they have been doing with the Khashoggi case is Turkish correspondents and intelligence operatives in the United States have been slowly shipping uh, stories to U.S. correspondents under the cover of anonymity, offering exclusive details about the Khashoggi case. And they continued to move the ball forward and advance public interest in Khashoggi because, well, first of all, um, Turkey was going to be Khashoggi's base of operations for his Islamist projects. And Turkey supports the Muslim Brotherhood and Khashoggi very close to the Muslim Brotherhood, if not in a Muslim Brotherhood operative himself. So Turkey... Um, has an interest in under their enemies of Saudi Arabia. So they want to undermine Saudi Arabia, but they also want to get the word out about Khashoggi and how great a guy he supposedly was, even though he wasn't. And they have been leaking stories to the U.S. media, which has been lapping them up. And almost every single major mainstream outlet, Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, all offering cover of anonymity to the world's most hostile country to journalists in the world. And you can just recognize the hypocrisy and how ridiculous the Khashoggi stories are and how illegitimate they are. Whenever you see something cited to anonymous Turkish security officials, I would urge you to ignore it and really open your eyes about what exactly happened. Turkey is running a giant propaganda campaign in the U.S. press about Khashoggi. And unfortunately, I think it's resulting in congressmen and senators uh, discussing the issue because they think it's become politically important. So it's a very successful information operation that Turkey is running right now. 
um, it kind of reminds you of the Soviet, the famous Soviet uh, propaganda operations that were running in the U.S. press in the yep. 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, Turkey has done a masterful job, you have to give them credit, at um, manipulating journalists who want to talk about Khashoggi for various reasons and keeping him in the news. Yep. No, I, I, and everything everyone is accusing the Saudis of, and what indeed the Saudis did under the previous regimes for, for decades, is what Qatar and, and Turkey are doing now, the subversion agenda, which has reached so deep. It's, it's even close to some quasi-colleagues of ours that have been bought off by Qatar um, li- quite literally uh, that's how deep their tentacles are. The Saudis aren't doing that anymore. I mean, I'm sure they have their influence paying now to come combat this. Um, certainly none of us are on their per- payroll because, again, we're not for the Saudis. It's nothing to do with that. Our business is if MBS is like, dude, I've had enough of these Islamists because they're just subverting my own country now. Um, I'm going to beat the hell out of the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm not going to stop the guy, okay? At the very least, you know – you got to be stupid. Um, it just makes no sense. And, and that's why this is just a very complex issue because, you know, certain things make things harder. You know my feelings about Kushner. I, you know, I'm going to start letting out a bunch of expletives here. I can't stand it. <laughs> but, you know, so he, unfortunately, is also the face of the relationship with MBS. And he strikes people as like a crony deal maker. And he probably is. And it could be this, that stuff going on too. I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to defend it. I'm not going to deny it. I don't know what there is or isn't. But I do know what I am worried about is strategic foreign policy in our interests. And, you know, it is not in our interest to go and dump on them for killing an Al Qaeda guy when Turkey is killing real pro Western journalists. Exactly. And, and as you talked about, it, it's also a problem. There, there are so many. Uh, infiltrations and in, in Tur- not besides Turkey, you mentioned Gutter. Gutter, they own. The, I don't want to say they own the Brookings Institute, but they are one of the chief funders of the Brookings Institute, which is arguably the most influential progressive think tank in America. They give them tens of millions of dollars, and all I've seen um, in all of these op-ed sections are Brookings scholars trashing Saudi Arabia. Therefore, the Democrats getting behind these anti-study measures and, you know, moving these moderate Republicans. So, you know, there's so much foreign intrusion into our politics and into our think tanks and universities that people really need to look at who's writing these articles, who these senators are meeting with, um, who these private organizations are taking money with and really hold these groups to account. And whenever you see someone, uh, there's a guy named Shadi Hamid, who's a Brookings scholar, who's like the biggest um, cr- critique of Saudi policies. And Brookings employees reportedly have a contract where they're not allowed to criticize Gutter. And you need to, re- people need to be reminded of these things constantly when you're seeing, there, there's so much BS being thrown out into these uh, propaganda operations in the media that you need to just start questioning, you know, is this, what is what these, all of these people are talking about? Is it important to us interests or is this all just a giant sideshow to um, advance yep. the interests of foreign benefactors? And that's what more and more of the, the mainstream press is becoming stuff that's totally 
um, not important to yes. American sovereignty, American security. Yes, yes. It's not just the way you look at the issue. It's why that became an issue and not other things. That And, and, and again, it's, it's in conservative media, too. I mean, that's the problem. There's very few independent platforms where, I mean, you know me, no one could muzzle me here. <laughs> no one could get away with that, you know, whether you agree with me yeah, or disagree. Yeah, you can rest assured that when, <laughs> when Daniel and I are writing something, that it is our perspective and our yes. perspective only. <laughs> we, we never get muzzled, which is why I'm thankful for this, you know. I'm never going to get on Fox News. I'm never going to get anywhere else, but I'm thankful for our own platform because it's like, whether you agree with me or like, hey, Daniel, I think today you're off base. You know, it's not like, hey, someone from a pharmaceutical company or someone from an energy company or someone from here just got a hold of me. You know, it's it's very consistent. We've given this philosophy for years. Um but the but the Qataris and 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 send me after we get off the air. I want to put in the show notes the tablet magazine article on the on Qatar buying influence in the conservative movement. Um, that's very important because we know people have been bought off in that sphere, and um, that's that's the and that was see that was in place for several years already before the Khashoggi thing came into place. So right when they had that, they just pounced. They had the infrastructure, and I'm telling you, politics is an art. It's not a science. You can't look at things individually. It's an art that you have to put things together. You have to understand policy in order to understand politics. You have to understand politics in order to understand policy. And I'm seeing this on on jailbreak. It's like, why? And it's like, low-level offenders, locked up forever. Low-level offenders. and, and they'll they'll get your brains focused. It's like that's the Khashoggi of criminal justice, or or you could do with immigration. You know, it's all the the kid that that that's going to serve in the military, and it, and, and it, all these straw men. Everything's a straw man. Abortion will be all about the woman getting raped. You know, they they're very good at getting your brains focused on what you what they want you to focus on. Then we sit and debate it, and we shall be asking: Is that really the issue? You know, everything is true in life. When you're talking about world affairs, there's a lot of terrible people doing terrible things terribly to other terrible people who are often even more terrible. So you can't pull out one of those ingredients in a vacuum. you got to be smart, which is why we're continued here, our commitment that we're going to give you a full picture of domestic, foreign policy, national security, cultural issues, you name it. Um, next week, we got a lot more coming up. They're caving on the farm bill. Remember those quasi uh, uh, work requirements for food stamps that weren't even real? Huh? They're going to gut that in the final bill. Um, you have some Republicans fighting Trump on the census question. They're trying to block him from asking for for you know citizenship question in the census, which is the core of stolen sovereignty. You got ICE releasing more bogus asylees in the Phoenix area. You got illegals coming with diseases. I warned you about it. Now Fox is a whole article on that. Lots more coming. Hey, Jordan, busy week. Looking forward to having you back again. Yeah, thanks again. All righty, there you have it, folks. That was Jordan Schachtel, my co-host here today for Foreign Policy Friday, our national security correspondent. God bless you all. Have a terrific weekend. Send me your feedback at dharwitz at crtv.com. Follow Jordan at Jordan Schachtel on Twitter. See you next week.